All right. God's word, the reading today is from Isaiah 61 through 22. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around, and see, they all gather together. They come to you, your son shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. And then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you, the multitude of camels shall cover your land, the dromedaries of Midian and Epoch, all those from Sheba shall come, and they shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Nebaloth shall minister to you, they shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. Who are those who fly like a cloud and like doves in their roosts? Surely the coastlands shall waste for me, wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish will come first. To bring your sons from afar, their silver, their gold with them, to the name of the Lord your God and to the Holy One of Israel because he has glorified you. The sons of foreigners shall build up your walls and the kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Therefore your gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day or night that may, may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles and the kings in procession for the nation and kingdom will not serve you shall perish, and those nations shall be utterly ruined. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the pine, and the box tree together, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. Also the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bowing to you, and all those who despised you shall fall prostrate at the soles of your feet, and they shall call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated, so that no one went through you, I will make you an eternal excellence, a joy of many generations, and you shall drink the milk of the Gentiles and milk the breast of kings, you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. And instead of stones, iron. I will also make your officers peace and your magistrates righteousness. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land neither wasting nor destruction within your borders. And you shall call your walls salvation 
and your gates praise. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you, but the Lord will be to you an everlasting light, and your God your glory. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Also your people shall all be righteous, and they shall inherit the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten in its time. All right, thank you, Andy. Encourage you to keep your Bibles open to Isaiah chapter 60. Um, our sermon text for today will be the first seven verses of Isaiah chapter 60. There are some breathtaking views in Jerusalem. Uh, one of the most iconic views is standing on top of the Mount of Olives, looking across the Kidron Valley toward the city of Jerusalem. Uh, Shelley and I happened to be in that position early one morning a couple of years ago as the sun was coming up. And it's really a beautiful view of Jerusalem. And in particular, a view of where the temple once stood. Today, however, instead of the temple, you see the gold glittering from the Dome of the Rock, which is part of the Al-Aqsa um, mosque built in the 7th century, which is the oldest surviving Muslim shrine. But it's one of the most iconic pictures of Jerusalem today. Um, it, it's also quite brilliant to be in the city looking east as the sun comes up over the Mount of Olives. So for, for the Jew, they love these views of the city. Um, but really, wherever you are in this world, when the sun comes up on a clear, crisp, bright morning, it really is invigorating. And in particular, if you endured a nasty, dark storm through the night, a clear, calm, sunny morning is all the more welcome. That is true spiritually as well. When, when you have endured a brutal, dark night of sin and, and all of its horrific brokenness, you, you long for the bright morning sun on a clear, crisp day. Sin is the devastating darkness that can only be eradicated by the glorious light of Jesus Christ. This, this weight of darkness that, is, that can only be lifted by the light is what we have when we consider both chapter 59 and then move into chapter 60 of Isaiah. Chapter 59 was filled with a heavy, sobering dose of reality about humanity's sin problem. 
Uh, it, it's devastating, but we must be honest about it if we're ever going to see our need of a Savior. And so we have to think about it. If you don't know that you are physically sick, you will never seek the help of a doctor who may be able to save you. If you don't know your sin, you won't know how much you desperately need a Savior. So we must pay attention. Chapter 59 that we were in a couple of weeks ago is full of darkness, but ends with a promise of light. Chapter 60 reveals a bright and glorious light. In fact, we are told in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 60, the light has come to Israel. Verses 1 and 2 again say, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. So this is certainly good news. I mean, really good news. Chapter 59 was pretty bleak, a lot of darkness. But in chapter 59, verse 20, the Lord promised that a redeemer would come to Zion. That promise to Zion continues here with this emphatic statement that your light has come. With the advent of the Redeemer, your light has come. And with the light, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Isaiah, more than any other prophet, speaks of the promise of light. In chapter 9, verse 2 of Isaiah, the Lord promised, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. That promise given in Isaiah 9, 2 found fulfillment in Jesus. Matthew tells us that in his gospel, Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Listen as I read. Now, when he heard, that is, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum. I used to always say Capernaum, but after being in Israel, it's now Capernaum. So it sounds a little different to you, but it just makes me think of Avi, our guide, always speaking of Capernaum. So leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah would be fulfilled. The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so with that great light that has now come, God's glory was revealed. In, in John's gospel, we read this in John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, and I quote, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then jumping down to verse 14, we read, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. 
glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus came as the light, revealing the Father's glory. Uh, Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5 and 6. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we gain a knowledge of the glory of God in the light of Jesus. The light illumines our hearts and minds. With the light of Jesus, we we see God and we can know God. And when we know God, we know what is good. John 1.5 says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. There's not even a hint of darkness or evil in God. God is morally perfect. There is no evil in God. Everything, God God is everything that is good. God, God is everything that is perfect and righteous and holy and beautiful and glorious and praiseworthy and honorable. We could go on and on. We, we can search... We, we could search for eternity in every nook and cranny of God's being and find only good. Do you remember the message of chapter 59? Man is totally depraved. There is nothing good in sinful humanity. There is none righteous. But, but there is... There is such a dramatic contrast between chapter 59 and chapter 60, between darkness and light, between uh, sinful humanity and our holy God. In verse 2, we're told that darkness shall in fact cover the earth. Yes, the, the, the light has come. Therefore, the message is arise, shine, for the light has come. That's true for God's people, but the rest of the earth is covered in darkness. Do do you remember how the pillar of fire led Israel out of the wilderness? Uh, Israel lived in the light, but darkness laid heavy over Egypt. God communicated a sharp contrast, and you have that here too. The, The light has come. Jesus has come, and with him there is light. But without Jesus, there is utter darkness. So let's let's be honest about this. We know all too well the the heaviness, the the darkness of sin. We we know that from our own experience, we we also can know that from living in a sin-cursed world, Even as believers, uh, we've seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We're still aware of the ugliness of sin. That presence of sin and darkness, though, can at times 
be incredibly overwhelming even for the believer. There, there may be times in our walk as a believer, it seems like darkness has taken over the light. What, what we experience may be wave after wave of darkness. Sometimes this happens just by watching the news. In, in the news, you hear of much evil being done in the world. Even if you pay attention to news about what's happening in the larger church here in the United States, you may at times be overwhelmed by the numbers of high-profile people and even pastors who have abandoned the faith. Maybe there is a pastor that you've looked up to that walked away from Christ, but not before doing a great deal of harm to the church. That kind of stuff can be overwhelming. So sometimes this happens to a person who's gone through, gone through great sufferings, suffering, great suffering at the hands of wicked people against them. So sometimes this happens when you have great sorrow in your heart for those that don't know God and you spend time seeking to influence them to follow the light, to follow Christ. And when you do that, there's a battle. It's, it's a war and you get shot at and you may be attacked and persecuted. And when that happens, you experience weakness and fear. You, you may feel like darkness is overcoming the, the light. To, to you, verse 1 of chapter 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This, this has happened when Jesus came to reveal the glory of God to you. So my, my question to you this morning is, do, do you see the light? Do you by faith see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ? And if you do, I encourage you to give thanks to God. Through, through Jesus, you know God. And when you know God, um, you, you've been restored to a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and when that is true of you, you, you know what is good. Yeah, yes, darkness covers the earth at this current time but God is the source of all that is good and he has made his light shine in your heart and and he is on a mission to make his light shine in all of those he sent Jesus to save and he's chosen you to do that through he has made you the light of the world today. So let your light shine. Don't hide the light of Jesus that reveals the glory and the goodness of God to a lost and dying world. So rejoice because the light has come. That, that's good news for Israel. Jesus came to Israel. The question is, how, how would Israel respond? And chapter 60 leads us to also ask, what is the scope of the mission of Jesus? Is the light that came to Israel only for Israel, or is Jesus also for the whole world? 
Well, in verses 3 through 7 of chapter 6, we learn that the light has indeed come to Israel and the nations shall come to the light. Verses 3 through 7 again say this, And nations shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah are all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall come up with the acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. Now, it seems that Israel has always been the scorn of the whole world. Um, but we are told here that with the advent of Jesus being the light of the world, that will change. It will change because Jesus came not just for Israel, but for the world. People from the nations will come to Israel and, in fact, be a blessing. Things like gold and frankincense will be given. Um, do, do, you, do you remember any mention of gold and frankincense in the New Testament? Yeah, it was the men from the east, those wise men from the nations, came in search of the king who was born. A, a light had appeared to them, and they followed the light, and they found Jesus, and they gave gifts, and they worshiped Jesus. So I, I think here is, we were given, and are given, a beautiful picture of how the light would come for all nations. This has been the plan of God from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 3, we learn about some bold promises that God made to Abram. Verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So God promised a land to Abram, and in Joshua we're told that God fulfilled that promise to Abraham. Now, next week, we're going to learn how the physical land promised to Abraham and to Israel was, in fact, a shadow of something infinitely greater that he would give, a new heaven and a new earth um, where all of God's children will dwell with God forever. And we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. But verse 2 in Genesis 12 says this, And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So this nation promised this this nation promised to Abraham would be a blessing because from this nation from this nation a light would come. From from Israel the Messiah would come. And it's through Jesus the Messiah that people from among all the nations shall see the glory of God. That's why verse 3 of Genesis 12 says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So 
the light came to Israel, but through Israel, the light would be for all the people groups and nations and families in the whole world. So if you receive the light, you will be blessed. If you reject the light, you, you will be cursed. In, in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6, the Lord says this about his perfect servant, Jesus. He says, I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations. Do you see how the light came to Israel, but he came for all the nations? We, we see that so clearly in one of the most familiar passages in all of the Bible. John chapter 3, verse 16. John 3, 16. Let me, let me read verses 16 through 21. For God so loved the world, not, not just Israel, but the world. God so loved Jew and Gentile that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This, this unfolding of redemptive history is really fascinating. When, when God created, or what God created was good, Genesis 1 tells us, in fact, what God created when he created man on the sixth day in his likeness of like image and likeness, he said, is very good. But sin and guilt entered the world through Adam's rebellion against God. And the Old Testament is full of account after account of the ugliness of sin. So, so much so that Genesis 6, 5 says this. And this is a very sobering text. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continuing. I don't know how it can get any worse than that. The, the Lord said this just before the worldwide flood. But in that flood, judgment came to man, but also God graciously saved Noah and his family. And so in the Old Testament, you see again and again so vividly the sinfulness of man and you see the promise of redemption. A savior would come to Israel and that savior would save a people from among all the nations of the world. This unfolding of progressive redemptive history becomes crystal clear 
in places like Ephesians chapter 2. I invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. I'd like to read beginning with verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2 beginning with verse 11 says this, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh of by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace, and he has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring the light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Now I know that is a 
lengthy quote, but it's really, really helpful for us to see the unfolding of redemptive history. Jesus revealed to Paul what he did not reveal to other prophets. This mystery was not revealed to other prophets, but now revealed through Paul is this, that the promised Messiah came not just for Israel, but for the nations. That, that is, in fact, what Isaiah 60 also promised. That means that today there is one people of God made up of believing Jew and believing Gentile. There are not two people of God. What, what separated Jew and Gentile is now gone. Jesus is our peace. He, he has made the two one. There is one people of God today made up of believing Jew and believing Gentile. And, and I think it will be that way now and throughout all eternity. One people of God. Uh, th today, today we have a temple for worship. And no, it's not in Jerusalem at the historic site of the Jewish Temple Mount. But when Shelley and I visited Jerusalem, it really struck, struck me that right smack dab on top of the original Temple Mount is a Muslim mosque. It's been there since the 7th century. Could, could that be God's way of saying, don't look for worship at this physical location. Don't look for worship in a physical temple like the Jews did in the Old Covenant. Listen to the interaction Jesus had with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, verses 19 through 24. This is fascinating. Listen as I read. The woman said to him, that is to Jesus, Sir, I, per I perceive that you are a prophet. Our, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. The light came to the Jews, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So we today worship in spirit and in truth because God is spirit. And I don't think that's a reference to the Holy Spirit. I think this refers to God as an eternal spirit who's not confined to a physical space. That's why we don't have to go to the temple in Jerusalem to worship. If, if we receive the light, we can worship wherever we are. We worship by faith in spirit and in truth. Not, not just Jews in Jerusalem, but believers across the globe can worship and be glad and delight in God. This has always been the plan of God. When 
when you read Psalm 67 through the lens of the New Testament, you see how it's always been the longing desire of God that the nations, plural, be glad. Listen to Psalm 67, 1 through 4. May God be gracious to us and bless us, make his face to shine upon us, Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples, plural, praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Back, back in Isaiah 50, verses 4 and 5, 4, uh, 5 and 6, excuse me, Isaiah says that when the light is revealed, you will thrill and exult. Praises will be given because of this light given to the world. So let let me ask you this morning, do you rejoice in the light? God God intends for you to have great joy, great joy because the light has come. And God has made his light shine in your heart. Now as we close... Um, make no mistake about it, they, or that is the nations, come for the beauty of the Holy One of Israel. Verses 8 and 9 say, Who are these that fly like a cloud and like the doves to their windows? For the coastline shall hope for me, the ships of Tarshish first, to bring you children from afar, their silver and gold with them. So in other words, there, there will be many who are coming. But, but why? Why will many come? For the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel because he has made you beautiful. So the the beauty of the Lord will in fact radiate from God's people. And this beauty of the Lord will be what attracts people from the nations to come. And many will come and they will come to see the Holy One of Israel. Like the... The wise men from the east, many will come to worship Jesus, who who has come to reveal the beauty and the glory of God. So one final question, do you worship the light? If you see the light, praise God that he has opened your eyes and made his light shine in your heart. So if you see the light, you will rejoice in the light. (laughs) You'll recognize that the light is a source of great joy that never ends. But when you see the light and you rejoice in the light, you will also worship the light. And Jesus tells us that the Father is seeking people from all the nations who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Um, my, my prayer for you this morning is that that will be true for you, that you'll see the light, you'll rejoice in the light, and you will, in fact, worship the light. God, God is good. We see lots of brokenness in the, in the world. May we, may we never forget the goodness of God that causes our hearts to want to worship, that causes our hearts to orient our entire being around the person and the worth of Jesus Christ. We, we want everything that we do and say 
to reflect his character for the praise of his glory. And the good news is there's more to come. So you got to come back next week because the remainder of chapter 60 describes some things that are so spectacular, so different than what our current experience is like, that we're told in the, in the remainder of this chapter that the sun will no longer need to shine, that the moon will no longer need to shine, because the Lord is the light among us. We, we have something to look forward to that will be like nothing we've ever experienced before. And so I pray that you'll come back and we'll continue to worship together. Let's pray. Father, it is utterly amazing. Um, as I think even in our Sunday school class this morning, we marveled at your mercy and your patience. We've sang about your faithfulness. Uh, we see your goodness we see your glory, the beauty of your character. But Father, we confess that it's only because you sent your light to Israel on a mission to reveal yourself to the entire world. We thank you that through Jesus we can have peace with you. Through Jesus we can have peace with one another. And that you dwell with us by your spirit. What a, what a joy it is to be a part of the work that you're doing today. And Father, we, we look forward to what is yet to come. We look forward to that day when Jesus comes again and takes us to be with him on the new heavens and the new earth forever. Uh, we, we praise you for your goodness. We praise you that you're holy that you are a redeeming God, that you've chosen to love us. And Father, I, I pray that we would be a people who respond. Uh, we would be a people who respond to you opening our eyes to see this light. We'd, we'd rejoice and we'd worship you in spirit and truth here today. And I sense we've already done that, but Lord, help us to continue even as we close now today. You are worthy of this and so much more. We praise you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand? Let's uh, close together as we sing one final song.